PFF NFL Daily. Today, discussing risers and fallers in the NFL draft, namely using the uh, PFF's mock draft simulator, because, uh, Sam, we can track such things. We've got millions and millions of mock drafts happening, and we can, you know, kind of track that player movement. You wrote this article over at PFF.com to kind of highlight some of these names as well. So let's get into it. Which names recently are moving up and getting drafted higher, according to PFF's mock draft sim? Yeah, it's a cool feature of the mock draft sim. When you're doing these drafts, not only do you get to see little snapshots of uh, each individual player, some statistics, some analysis, some draft guide stuff, all that kind of thing, but you also get insight as to what other people have been doing when they've been drafting, as you said, millions and millions of times, and actually millions and millions. I forget what the number is, but we are well into the millions this season in terms of mock draft sims. Um, So, You get to see what players, individual teams have been drafting at specific spots, but you also get to see a trend graph of where these players have been going. So one of the the players we've been talking about recently, Trayvon Walker, and honestly, the riser section could just be the Georgia players, right? The Georgia defense, all of them, all of them are skyrocketing with, with one notable exception, actually, that we'll get to later. But Trayvon Walker's stock is going through the roof. If you go back to, you know, mid-January, he was being drafted well outside the first round, average uh, draft position, middle of the second, kind of. And since then, it's just been up and up and up. And right now, we are firmly inside the top 10. And judging by where other people have been mocking him recently, we're probably not stopping there, right? The average draft position right now is inside the top 10 in the mock draft sim. But we just had our first mock, Charles Davis, ranking him number one, you know, to the the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've seen him number two, number three. So Walker stock is probably only continuing to go up. It's not surprising when you look at the list of risers and fallers. It's really workout based. It's yeah, size, speed, movement based, right? So Walker's the big one. You mentioned uh, the real big ones, Jordan Davis, right? <laughs> uh, monster at 340 pounds and crushed it at the combine. So he's rising. Uh, Sauce Gardner, is that the guy you were getting to, Sam, that was uh, making the big leap? Yeah, another guy that's gone up, and again, a big part of that was workout-based. The big question a lot of people had about Sauce Gardner was, sure, the tape is great, sure, he never gave up a touchdown, but does he look fast enough? Like, the the tape, little questions about how fast he was, shows up at the combine, runs a 4-4-1, I think, basically a 4-4 flat at that size, 6-3, long corner, all of a sudden, all questions are answered, and we've gone from you know, is he really an elite cornerback prospect to he's a lot of people's number one corner, jumps Derek Stingley, and at that point, he's a quote-unquote flawless prospect, right? There's no major red flag about Sauce Gardner once he showed up with 4-4 speed. So once he did that, his average draft position shot through the roof, and he's now firmly inside the top 10. I'm in on that train, by the way. I'm in on Sauce Gardner as, as, as the number one corner. Uh, big fan of Derek Stingley. He just uh, just worked out today. I think, you know, <laughs> was an interesting workout. There were some good things and there were some quirky things, even though overall he looked like a great athlete. But I think Sauce and Stingley are up there as like a one and one A now, whereas coming into the process definitely felt like Stingley was in his own world. Right. So so that's where Gardner is. Mentioned Jordan Davis. Uh, the other one, Jermaine Johnson. His was less workout based. And I think more senior bowl based. But either way, Jermaine yeah. Johnson's just one of those guys who continues to tick the off-season boxes, so to speak, and he's been on his way up in a lot of mock drafts and draft boards in general. 
And that's the power of the uh, the Georgia defense risers, that even a guy who's not playing for them last season has a Georgia connection, right? Used to used to be on that defense, had to transfer away to get the opportunity to show that he could be an elite player. And you're right, had a great uh, final season at Florida State. And then when you look at the sort of dates and the way that trend moves, you're right. I think it was Senior Bowl largely more than workout numbers and those kinds of things. And his stock has had a similar jump. His average draft position was very firmly in the 40s for an extended period of time, uh, a pretty steady flat line there. And then since then, it's it's shot up and we're now inside the top 20. And again, only going in one direction. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson, similar to Trayvon Walker in that the on-field production is lacking when you just compare it to first round picks. But Johnson did grade better than Trayvon Walker this past year and had that dominant senior ball, which is right. uh, which does matter when you get to see him uh, against top-notch competition. Anything else on the risers before we move to the uh, other side here? Nobody has a graph that looks quite as ridiculous as Travis Jones, the yeah. interior defender from uh, from UConn. His it's like a steep. It's just a line. It's gone through the roof right up from again. This time we're talking about outside of the top seventy draft picks. Not that long ago, middle of January, um, he's draft. His average draft position is sort of. 75, you know, outside of the top 70, and then it went, boom, 65, 60, 55, 40, and now we're up there inside the top 40 just about. Um, again, that like such a steep rise in a really short period of time. And that was a combination. That was like a, a combination of what Jermaine Johnson did, really nice senior bowl for Travis Jones, but also the workouts and, you know, being a big dude who can move. That one's different in that I think uh, the public started to catch up to PFF projections there where we've always had Jones in the in the 40s or so as far as the draft board goes and the public finally caught up after they saw him at the senior ball saw him work out uh as far as the fallers uh we've got QB Matt Corral from Ole Miss we can talk about him in a second but it's like the opposite end of the spectrum as far as the the workouts go right Roger McCreary the guy's got short arms drop Tyler Linderbaum undersized center people having their doubts he's dropping Nicobe Dean Small, undersized linebacker. People having their doubts. Those are three of the biggest fallers. Guys that, you know, early in the process were middle of the first round and now late first round and into the second. And Dean is that one Georgia defense exception that we talked about right at the top. He's the only guy essentially connected to that defense that is not rising as the draft approaches. Jordan Davis, um, Trayvon Walker, Lewis Sine, like all those Georgia connect like Jermaine Johnson. Anybody connected to that defense, their stock is only going in one direction. Nicobe Dean is the one guy where people are looking at him saying, I don't know. Um, and he's I don't think he's helped by the fact that he hasn't worked out yet, hasn't run the 40, hasn't sort of shown that as an undersized linebacker, as a guy that isn't this monstrous presence, you know, if he goes out there and runs a 4-4, nobody cares. His, his stock's going to go back up, and people are going to see him as a clear-cut first-rounder. But because he's undersized, because he's on that defense where, you know, these monsters up front are eating up space and making plays, and he just has to flow to the football, people are looking at him going, ah, is what he's doing that impressive? And if he runs like a 4-6, 4-7, like, uh, I don't know. So I think he's a little bit unfairly being hampered by the fact that he hasn't yet run a 40 and shown that he's an elite athlete as well. Roger McCreary from Auburn, definitely one of these guys this year where you're going to try to pit that on-field production, the, guy, the fact that the guy overall has gotten the job done, has done a lot in the SEC, uh, playing in the SEC West. Think about who he's faced over the last three years with Alabama and LSU and uh, Traylon Burks at Arkansas, just a plethora of incredible receivers. The Ole Miss guys, right? 
So McCreary's got really good production. I always use sub 30 inch arms. It was really sub 29 inch arms. Yeah. So you're starting to get like well beyond what team cutoffs are. So he's undersized, but really, really productive. And you see his stock drop in part just because that was the way where he measured in. Yeah, I mean, he is so far off the outlier in terms of like arm length. It's silly. Like he's 5'11 and not just like sub 29 inch arms. That's It's not only well below the sort of cutoff and the thresholds and all those kinds of things. It is just strange. Like as a body type, as a shape, there aren't that many people that have arm length, arms that length at that size. Um, but yeah, and, and as soon as that came in, immediately the guy's stock drops and he goes from a fairly consistent first rounder uh, a couple of months ago to now being mocked consistently, you know, middle of the second round, well outside that first round range. And he is an interesting guy because he does have such a resume of high-end play against really good competition. So you are weighing that, you know, this is a weird outlier in terms of arm length versus, yeah, but it's worked really well for quite an extended period of time against quite a lot of very good players. Yeah, we're talking fifth percentile arm length, ran a 4.46, which is still above average at corner. But I think with McCreary, you're looking at even his jumps were were not so great, but you're still looking right. at a guy that a team's probably going to get a good football player, especially in a zone-heavy scheme. Uh, but maybe not the first-round prospect that people expected. At least that's what the uh, the mock draft sim is, is showing. Any other fallers to highlight there? Well, Linderbaum is strange because you can say sort of undersized, but it's not like that was you know, unexpected. He didn't come in like way undersized or, or the number was sort of outside of the realm of, of what we expected or, outside, or even outside of the realm of what's been successful. Like he was, he's undersized relative to some of these monsters, but it's about what you would expect from a zone style of center. And he's gone from unquestionably being like a top 10 player. And can we take a center this high because the position value isn't as good to, you might get drafted outside of the top 20 picks, which is kind of where centers typically get drafted. But at least in terms of hype or where the fans were taking him, it it is a significant drop from that like all-world Quentin Nelson style of game-changing prospect to just another very good center. Yeah, 6'2", 296, 31-inch arms as well. Just over 31-inch arms. We're talking sixth percentile there for centers. So maybe some of that scaring teams away. Maybe it's not a fit for everybody. Just to wrap it up, Matt Corral, I mentioned, dropped. It does seem like because he didn't go to the Senior Bowl, he's one of the few first-round prospects that we didn't see at the Senior Bowl. Just as far as all the QB hype goes, it feels like Matt Corral has always gotten a little bit less than the other guys. Yeah, and honestly, I put in Matt Corral on this, but the graph for a lot of the quarterbacks looks pretty much the same. You know, we've I think we've just reached as the process has gone on, there's been more of an acceptance from people uh, that these most of these quarterbacks are not going to go high in the first round. And, you know, if you go back a couple of months ago, maybe there were pretty much all of them were getting thrown around somewhere inside the first half of the first round just because we knew that's what happens to quarterbacks at the draft time, right? I think as as things go on, the more the realization has been emerging. Also, by the way, teams like ticking off some starting quarterback jobs. Um, But there's been that realization that, okay, Malik Willis is probably going to go high. And then maybe one more, maybe Kenny Pickett goes high as well. And that's kind of it. Like everyone else, they're going to wait on the quarterbacks. Maybe you get one or more of these guys sneak into the bottom of the first round, but they are all sliding because I think those jobs have kind of been filled and there has been that acceptance that, yeah, this, I mean, it's just not a great quarterback class. So as far as the offseason goes, we've done... 
the offseason all-star games. We've got, we've got the combine. That's going to create movement. Now, as we head into April, more information as far as draft boards go is, is going to leak out. So there'll be a lot more movement even in the coming weeks. You guys should all get to the Mock Draft Simulator over at PFF.com. And you can fully unlock it with the promo code NFLPOD for 25% off any PFF subscription. It's the PFF NFL Daily.